Are you ready for some thought-provoking, thought-lively discussion on interracial people and why they are healthier? I'm talking to the author who did some research, and we're going to talk about his book next here on Book Circle Online. This is Book Circle Online, featuring in-depth discussion, insight, news, and commentary on all the world's leading book titles and their authors. And now, Book Circle Online. Hello, and welcome to Book Circle Online. I'm your host, James Law Jr. You can follow me on all the interwebs at James Law Jr. How simple is that? Today, I have a guest I'm very excited to have on. We're going to really get into it today. I am so excited. His book is called Breeding in Between the Lines. You can see that right there. Um, he was a former researcher and teacher at UCLA. And he did some years of research, and we're going to get all into it. And I read this book. I love it. As a multiracial person, I'm very interested. Let's welcome author Alon Ziv. Thanks. Great to be here. Some claps for you. Some applause <laughs> for you. Very good. Well, thanks for being on the show. Thanks. I'm excited. I look forward to talking about this. I want to first talk to you about who you are first, because I think that's very important, because for me, when I found out who wrote the book, that it wasn't somebody multiracial or somebody black or somebody. I was like, oh, okay. So let's talk about you, Louis. So you were a researcher and a teacher at UCLA. That's right. And, you know, first of all, I just want to say up front, this is a controversial topic. Yes, it is. You know, race in America is is very tricky to talk about. Mm -hmm. You throw science into the mix, just gets even trickier. Uh, science and race have a very ugly history. And in yes. the past, science was used to justify all kinds of terrible things. Yeah. Slavery, colonialism, mm -hmm. racism, all kinds of bad stuff. So I think it's really important to talk about race. And I think that the biology of race is a real concept that has value, but we need to approach it responsibly. And that's what I've tried to do in the book. Um, and the second thing I want to mention is the title, uh, because it's come to my attention that, that some people have found the title a little bit oh, off-putting. I'm sure, yes. <laughs> so uh, I just want to say that's on me. And uh, you know, I think when you study biology, words like breeding and mating, those are just clinical terms yeah. that we use, and we yeah. can use that to describe you know, humans or any other animal. Mm -hmm. uh, but I can understand how using that word to describe people, especially in the context of race, mm -hmm. could be off-putting. So that's on me. I hope people can see past that mm -hmm. and check out the book. Because like I said, I've tried to approach race responsibly. Mm -hmm. And you know, fundamentally, this is, this is a positive message. This is about diversity and the value of diversity. Mm -hmm. And I think diversity is a great thing on the level of our communities and on the level of our DNA. Yeah, I for me it was like I was, I was like oh this is a book that's actually kind of celebrating diversity where a lot of times like you just you just said it usually when you bring up interracial especially when you bring up kids oh my god poor kids the poor to sad mulatto the poor all things in history exactly. oh my god what's with the kids caught between two worlds mm -hmm. the identity issues mm -hmm. and all that and so yeah so I was excited to you know kind of putting a, a, a positive light to that issue especially since it's so relevant right now and the number of interracial Americans is growing so rapidly our president absolutely I mean hello yeah. that's a great example right there of a, of a biracial man who's running our country yes the most powerful man in the world is yeah. biracial uh, but I think Obama actually brings up some other really interesting issues that I talk about in the book, and that's identity. Because, you know, to me, I, I love Obama and I love him as an example of the book. You know, here's here's someone who is biracial. And when he was first running for president, a lot of people thought his, his race is going to be a negative. But I thought, no, this is a huge advantage for him. He's got this great genetic diversity. People are going to see that. Um, and so to me, he's such a great example of, of a biracial individual. But in 2010, on the when he filled out his U.S. Census form, yeah. he only checked one box. Yep. He checked the box for black or African-American. Yes. And so 
you know, it, it, I think sometimes it's tricky to even get a sense of how big the interracial population is because those identity things are so personal. And one study by Pew Research even found that 30% of multiracial people had changed the way that they categorize themselves over their lifetime. So it's it's something that can be fluid. Well, you know, my generation, I'm a little older than some people. Um, my generation, we were taught that uh, one drop of black blood makes you black. Exactly, the one drop rule, which goes back to slavery days. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, it, it's so Machiavellian because originally your your status, free or slave, was determined by your father. But then they realized, wait a second, we're, we're losing too many yeah. slaves here. And so <laughs> yes. they changed it to follow the mother. And that's right. the, sort of the origin of the one drop rules. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah, I know all about that. So I, I come from slavery on one side of the family. And it's and, and I come from Creole from my mm -hmm. father's side family. And, you know, that's all mixed up, too. Sure. And it's different kinds of Creole, which I, I try to explain to people. There's Creole with Spanish in it, Creole with French in it. I mean, it's a whole thing there. Um, yeah, this book was very, I found it very easy to read. Thank which was you. great. It was very easy to read, so I think you did get that. Um, the title, you know, it's the same thing as TV shows like Blackish, Fresh Off the Boat. I mean, they're a little provocative right. kind of titles, right. but like you said, when you just explained it, in science, you use some of these words. And exactly. It's a catchy title, too, but it's catchy. Awesome. Yeah, and that's what I was going for the wordplay, you know, reading between the lines and, and all that. How do you handle people who look at this book at the title even read the book and go what's wrong with this guy like what is he saying oh my god yeah it's tricky and you know it turns out that on the internet that's mostly what people do you know <laughs> yes. the internet runs on outrage and uh people are, are not interested in, in actually doing the research yeah. and, and and reading and finding out what something's about so you know i, I try to be reasonable you know and i, I try to pick my battles you know because i think there are people who who have legitimate concerns, and I can try and address those. Mm -hmm. And then there are people who are white supremacists, and they're going to hate me no matter what I say. So, right. you know, when the book first came out, I was getting a ton of traffic to my website, breedingbetweenthelines.com, and I was excited. Mm -hmm. But then when I looked at the server logs, I saw there was all coming from these white supremacist websites. Oh. and. You know, they were talking about it and they were, you know, said I was, you know, part of a Jewish conspiracy to destroy the white race, which was great. And I, I tried to argue with them a little bit yeah. on their on their forums and whatnot. But, I, you know, after a while, I realized, you know, I'm not changing their mind. No. They're not buying any copies of the book. No, you know, go. this is this is a fool's errand. Yeah. So, you know, you, you got to pick your battles. I'm learning that being on the Internet myself these days now. You have to kind of you because these are our babies. This is this is your baby. This is like your child. You put Absolutely. Out. And yeah. so, you know, when you put anything out to the public. It's uh, subject to anything. Sure, you never know how people are going to respond, right. and you know you slave over something, and yeah. then you got you got to put it out in the world, yeah. and you just have to roll with the punches. Now, um, one of the things I'm gonna I, well, I think well, before I get there again, back to you. So, what drew you to this? Good, good question. So, I love science, mm -hmm. and and I love biology in particular, and and I'm really interested in kind of the interplay between biology and culture. You know, mm -hmm. we 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 have these various motivations that that influence us, and you know who who we pick as our mate as our life partner as our spouse is so fundamental and i think it's it's so influenced by both our biology in terms of who we're attracted mm. to and our society and our culture and who we're supposed to be attracted to okay. and yeah. so i just thought that this is such an interesting topic and i don't know it, it just it really resonated with me and when i would talk to people about it it seemed to really resonate with them and i, I appreciate you said it was easy to read you know that's that's always my goal is to you know, convince people that science is something that is relevant and fun mm -hmm. and not some dry textbooky yeah. stuff that has nothing to do with that. Just read monotone and, okay, and now the zebra. Because yeah. you do talk about actually like donk mules and things. You talk about all kinds of stuff in here. Sure, yeah. Because um, it's funny because I, you know, for me, it was just like, 
oh, okay, because you, you actually address a lot of different stuff in here. And we'll talk about something. We're going to break some of it down, like the symmetrical thing that you talk right. about a lot in here. And stuff. Right. And, but it is funny. We, we are kind of taught, why is it that because I look a certain way with a certain kind of hair or a certain nose, I'm supposed to be only attracted to a person who has the same kind of hair, the same kind of nose? Like, what is that? Like, what's a- that about? Absolutely. And, and, you know, I, I think on a personal level, uh, one of the things that drew me to the material was just my experience growing up, and I, I grew up in L.A. Oh, there you go. You know, my parents—it's a very cosmopolitan city. Yes. You know, whatever you want, you can find it here. Mm-hmm. And my parents are are great. They're super liberal people. Um, you know, I never had a curfew. They always trusted me to study and, and okay. all that stuff. But there was one really important rule, Uh-oh. and that was that I had to bring home a nice Jewish girl. Oh, there you go. And so I was like, that's the one rule. But, you know, <laughs> that wasn't necessarily lining up always with who I was drawn to. Yeah. And so, you know, there was that push-pull between, you know, my biology and, and my culture and, you know, my parents and I had to work that out. So the biology part, did you feel like you were drawn to Jewish girls or? I, I felt like I was drawn to everybody. everybody. No, I was equal opportunity. Okay. And so like sometimes. Girls, period. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Girls are the best. And, uh, (laughs) you know, and so sometimes I dated Jewish girls and my parents were happy. And sometimes I dated non-Jewish girls and they were a little less happy. Yes. Um, (laughs) I like the way you put that. And, uh, you know, and that's something that, you know, really I talk about a lot in the book is, Mm -hmm. you know, where does that come from? A lot of people have a type. Yeah. Where does the type come from? And, uh, you know, that that's something that's, uh, you know, imprinted on us when we're very young. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that has to do with what we're exposed to when we're young. And now that we're in these really cosmopolitan cities, Mm -hmm. you know, so many more Americans are living in in larger urban centers than ever before. And we're exposed to so many different people of every shade, color, ethnicity. And, uh, you know, on on TV, too, all of a sudden, you know, maybe people's type is is broader than it used to be. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're seeing such an explosion in Mm. mixed marriages and mixed race people. Yeah, I I mean, just it just and I also think generational. I mean, I come from civil rights movement time. I was born in the 60s. So, I mean, it was still kind of newer, Um, you know, in the 80s when I started to come of age and date, it was still kind of like, I'm not sure what's going on. But nowadays, when the kids are, they're just like. Oh, yeah. And I I was surprised too when I looked at at some of the the numbers on you know public attitudes towards mm-hmm. mixed marriages. You mentioned the '80s. They did a survey in 1987. Okay. So this is two decades after the civil You're rights movement. You graduated high school. Yeah, and 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 so this is you know 20 years after the civil rights movement. You'd think we're past all that. And they said, what do you think of of black white marriage? What do you think about you know mm-hmm. mixed marriage with a white person and a black person? And 48% of the population said that they were okay with it. So more than half were still against it 20 yeah, years right, later. Right. But you ask that question now, okay. and it's it's 83% are okay with it, and okay. millennials, 93% are okay yeah, with it. That. So I mean, you know, 1987 doesn't feel like that long ago, but in terms of our attitudes, we've come a long way. Yeah, no, we have. And I, and I was just telling you, um, I gave him a little bit of a knowledge when I was talking. You can look, and you, know, you can look this up too. It's just, it's that in Sacramento where I have my grandkids are, and they're all multiracial stuff. That about how there's a high percentage of racial families there. Just sure, there is, and I see it when I go. Right, I see it all the time. It's just, it's kind of just normal. Oh sure, and and that doesn't surprise me because uh, you know we're, we're seeing this this big explosion in in multiracial marriage and and multiracial babies being born. You know, one in ten babies born right now is mixed in the United right. States, but we're really seeing it in the West part of the of the mm-hmm. United States. And I think that's just because the cities here are newer; they're more integrated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the cities back east can be a little more segregated, where you, you yeah. really have one part of town the where everybody's too, the same kinda, color. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, in uh, Overall, nationwide, 15% of new marriages are mixed, but in California, it's 22%. So oh. we're, we're 
we're definitely uh, above average over here. Uh, to my guests tomorrow on my show tomorrow over on our sister network, uh, Black Hollywood Live, they're both biracial. Mm. It's really funny. One's black and Jewish. Okay. The other one is Mexican and Polish. Oh, and wow. they're both entertainers. Okay, and they use it in their art. Oh, and they that's work together cool. too. They right. work together. Sometimes. And so I'm like, that's where we are today. It's kind of I mean, Absolutely. that's a great example of where we are today. And they're both super talented. Which right. I mean, so if you go by the book, yeah. it kind of explains why you feel they're super talented. Absolutely. You know, there. You you mentioned symmetry earlier, mm -hmm. and uh, you know that's really what it's all about. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So yeah. explain to people who have read the book what what you feel about interracial people and symmetry. Absolutely. So. We're all supposed to be symmetrical. You know, okay. you, you don't have a separate set of genes for your left hand and your right hand. Same genes, they should be identical mirror images. But some of us get closer to perfect symmetry than others, and that's usually a sign of good genes. Okay. And so symmetry is this, this really powerful hallmark of genetic quality. And it turns out that symmetry is associated with all kinds of great stuff. More symmetrical people are taller, healthier, more attractive, more fertile, more athletic, just okay. all kinds of great stuff across the board. And the way that you get symmetry is through genetic diversity. Okay. So the, the more diverse your genes are, the better your body is able to cope with different things during development and just do a good job. And you develop that, that perfect symmetry or, or as close to it as possible. And that's why you know, we know that inbreeding is bad. You know, if, <laughs> if two parents are too similar, if you've yeah. got like a brother and a sister, something like that, I mean, it just feels gross to even talk yeah, about it because yeah. we know that the kids of that union are gonna be you know, unhealthy, unattractive, have genetic disorders mm -hmm. and all that stuff. So this is basically just the exact opposite of that. Okay. Yeah, because I, I also think what you talk about, it's basically, which again, was something I just never seen before in writing. You talk about that people of, of mixed race get the best parts of a right. mono race person, or uh, where words I've got words you used in there uh, that they get they get the best parts. It's not this whole negative connotation of like if you mix black and white together, it's kind of crazy. Or Asian and black, like you're actually saying that these two sections will get the they'll probably get the best stuff of it. Right. If you create this person. Well, and it, it's interesting, you know, w with kids in general, you know, you you never know how the two parents' genes are going to combine and yeah. interact, and so you can have interesting situations where two pretty unattractive parents have a beautiful kid because yes, so it's true. all about how the genes Oof. are coming together and yes. you know and that's what breeding between the lines is is all about is you get these genes coming together and when the genes are different you know you just benefit from that genetic diversity where'd you get your where'd you get your research some people out there don't know you were doing lots of research on the on just based on the symmetry part where'd you get that from so the symmetry stuff is is all over the map i mean that's it's a really active area okay. of study i mean mm -hmm. but uh, a lot of it is done at the university of new mexico they okay. do a lot of really interesting and they do a lot of really crazy studies there where they uh, they have this whole series of studies where men wear like a plain white t-shirt okay. for a few nights. The guys all sleep in the t-shirts and they're not supposed to use deodorant or anything like that because they, they don't want to contaminate the smell. Just supposed to be the smell of the man. Mm -hmm. And then they take all the t-shirts and they put them in plastic bags. Then they have a bunch of women come in and the women take each bag and they sniff it. They smell the t-shirt and then they rate it on, you know, how much do I like this? Interesting. And, and does this make me feel good? Do I feel attracted <laughs> to this smell? And it turns out that, you know, they've never even seen the guys. They have okay. no idea who, which guy went with which shirt. But the more symmetrical men had shirts that were rated the highest by the women. Wow. So on some level, the women are, are picking up on clues that say, hey, this, this, this guy has high genetic quality. Wow, I guess, well, I guess it goes back to also we're animals. I guess it goes back to that's the smell too, right? Absolutely. You know, I think people really underestimate the role that smell plays in, in people. And, you know, we still respond to pheromones. Yeah. You know, I mean, mm. perfume is a multi-billion dollar business uh, for yes. a reason. Yes, it is. Um, and so they're doing a lot of great research at the University of New Mexico. And then 
to tying symmetry into interracial people, there's a really great study out of UCLA and then a lot of recent research out of Penn State that are kind of tying those two things together. And uh, the research at Penn State is really interesting because they're, they're using this really innovative uh, model with uh, 3D cameras where oh, they wow. they go down to Brazil, which is very uh, multiracial, very down there. multiracial, very. huge melting pot, yeah. and they uh, they ask people about their their you know their their ancestry, and they take a picture of them with a 3D camera, and then they can they can rate their symmetry like you know wow. down to the millimeter. Yeah, that's another place. Go down to go down to South America. I mean, there's so, I mean, we yeah. got Chinese, Japanese, Germans, bam, I mean, everything is down there. Absolutely, you know, there. Uh, I talk about this in the book, but on mm -hmm. on one Brazilian census form, there yeah. were 134 different categories. Yeah, I read that. I was like, I'm not surprised. Yeah, you know, and some of you know, one of them was like coffee with milk. You know, it's it's <laughs> and some of the, you know people. A lot of times people. Are are so mixed down there they don't even know really what their ancestry right. is i know I, I i read that i was like i'm, I'm not surprised like i wouldn't be surprised at all um and i'm also not surprised that brazil's chief export appears to be supermodels yes not surprised there either brazilians are some beautiful people i'll tell you i every brazilian i've ever worked with is very friendly and nice and i mean they just i mean beautiful and, and but very diverse looking absolutely um but the you know at the same time they're a little bit of a cautionary tale because you know i i think People like the idea of of the multicultural United States, and I'm certainly very excited mm -hmm. about it. But it's not going to solve all of our problems with race, and it hasn't solved Brazil's problems with race. I mean, oh, they still, yeah. you know, they, they still have racism in their society. It's yeah. just become more of a continuum where you know people still, you know, there's still a strong preference for people who are lighter skinned versus versus darker skinned. So it's it's not a cure all, although I think it means we're moving in the right direction. You know, it happens also. Um, there was a special if you saw a couple of years ago. It was. Um, Latino in, oh my God, in, was it, it was, it was black in Latino America. And I, I want to say it was PBS or one of those stations where they went to Cuba, Dominican Republic, a couple places where there's an ad, it's Afro-Latin. Sure. And I talk about that actually, because they're, they're mixed up there too. Yeah, And absolutely. my family comes from the islands and it's very much that whole darker skin, lighter skin. And, right. and I've been to the Caribbean a hundred times, you know, it's about, and I've seen some of the statues where they literally altered the faces of the founding fathers. Oh, really? To make them look more, more European? European. Oh, I'm not surprised. You know, and you know, skin lightening creams mm -hmm. are still big business in some parts of the world. So, uh, you know, so I, I think be, being multicultural and being multiracial is is a great first step. But we still have work to do as far as racism. Now, you mentioned the attract. We, we were talking the breeding. We're talking the attractive parts. Um, I mean, so the symmetry is one thing, but I mean, like, I mean, sometimes yes, we do see. Some people will say, "Well, I've seen some combinations that didn't work out." Absolutely, you know, yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's funny whenever I whenever I give a talk, you know, people come up to me afterwards, and a lot of them say, like, "Oh yeah, my you know my friend is mixed, and he's really handsome," or "I know this girl, she's yeah. great." But there's always one person who's like, "I don't know about your theory, because I know this one guy, and he looks kind of funky," you know, and <laughs> anything like I said, you know, yeah. when the when the genes interact, when when the the when your mother's genes and your father's genes come together, anything can happen. There are no guarantees, yeah. but on average, I think more genetic diversity is going to be a positive. Well, I mean, you I mean you named some people, and I mean, uh, I mean, it was like like Derek Jeter and The Rock, and I mean, I mean you didn't mention Holly, I mean, it's Holly Berry. I mean, there's people that are considered beauties, absolutely, that are, are biracial or mixed. Yeah, race and I mean, you know, we have more multiracial celebrities than than yeah. ever before. Someone told me to tell you, you did mention Jessica Alba. I I should have. She's, she's, she's hot too. She's beautiful and, smart, and very smart. Her yeah, honest company and everything. Oh yeah. I mean, but then also her husband's mixed race also. 
Good he comes from he comes from an actor who I forgot his I forgot his father's name is Michael Warren. It's his father. Oh, okay. And so he and his father's black, and I think his mother is white, and it's a whole they're both. So the kids That's are multiracial. A beautiful couple. Yeah, yes, I know. I love that. Well, and you know, Northwest maybe the most <laughs> famous. Uh, Mixed baby in the world. <laughs> oh my god, I know. Oh my god. And now Saint too. Yes, yes Saint. Saint West. Saint. And I just like you can't get me started on that one. That's a whole other show. Um, but no, I, I just think it's it's funny because you bring but Kanye. Up... If you're watching, you should buy the book. <laughs> buy the book, Kanye. Exactly. You know, if you bought it and tweeted it out, you know, yeah, everywhere. Um, but but you mentioned the uh, the healthier part too. So right. um, you did some research where you said so it's basically the genetic markers of of like whatever the two races are come together and create this I don't want to say superhuman, but like just a right, not superhuman, but you know, in a, in a way, it's kind of like a buffering effect, okay. you know, because if you have if you're getting two different genes from your two different parents, then you're just a little more flexible in terms of how you develop. Okay. And if you get one gene that's not so great from one parent, well, that's okay because you've gotten a good copy from the other parent, that. yeah. and that's uh, you know, that's where a lot of recessive genetic disorders come in. So you know. Uh, every gen every ethnic group has their genetic disorders. Mm -hmm. You know, African Americans have sickle cell, and European Americans have uh, of cystic fibrosis, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, Jews have Tay Sachs, and yeah. and so. But in order to get those, you have to inherit two bad copies of the okay. gene, and that's why you know. I know in the Jewish community, there's a lot of a very active movement to get everybody tested, so you know mm -hmm. if you're okay. the carrier for Tay Sachs, and if your oh, wife's wow. a carrier, then you've got to be a lot more careful. Yeah. Um, but if you're, you know, marrying someone of a different group, well, then it, you know, again, it has that buffering effect okay. where, you know, it doesn't matter if, you know, I'm a carrier for Tay-Sachs and my wife is a carrier for cystic fibrosis mm -hmm. if, you know, neither one of us is going to have the, uh, the opposite Interesting. one. So it kind of evens everything out. Yeah. That was, that was the point I was going to bring up is that some people in, in the book talk about sickle cell anemia, which is... Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I don't have it, but I mean, like, so, I mean, there are a lot of black people who have it. Sure. And if they get with someone who's Asian or Latino or white, I mean, I guess it would cancel out maybe. Yeah, right? I mean, the, the odds of their kid having sickle cell are significantly yeah. reduced. Well, and you can still have the sickle cell gene in those populations, okay. but it's much less common. Now, do we find that people who are interracial, do they get sick less or do they, they have a there better immune been some, system? Yeah, and uh, there, there's a guy in England who's doing some research on that mm -hmm. in Africa. And, you know, in Africa, obviously, disease and parasites are a huge concern. Yes. And he found that people who had more genetic diversity were more likely to survive until the age of five and resist, mm -hmm. you know, various diseases and, and parasites as mm -hmm. a result. So, As you're doing your research, this is very important talk because this is a controversial book. Oh, your sources, how did you bring like, you thoroughly check them out? You're like, okay. Absolutely. I mean, you know, everything I talk about in the book, there's there's an extensive bibliography in yes, the back. Yes, there is, folks. I'm a, and there's a, yes, there's a look at that. section. It is. It's, it's, all in, it's all in there. Trust me. It's all there. So if you have any, you know, anytime I'm talking about a study, you can just flip to the back and you can yeah. see exactly where that study came from. And these are all from respected academic journals in, you know, biology and yeah. animal research and population genetics and, and health and medicine mm -hmm. and, and things like that. And... Uh, you know, it, it's interesting because there is a lot of interesting research going on in in terms of, of race and ethnicity, but people are still a little bit afraid to use those words. And so population geneticists just like to use the word populations. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a safer yeah. word. Um, but th but there's a, lo a lot of really interesting research happening. I had somebody say to me, like, when I said I was doing this this book, I mean, I had a lot of reactions. I'm uh, sure, yeah. Great. And I was like, yay! <laughs> Tune in! Like, the view's big. Um, so what do you say to people who say that there, there is no interracial anymore. Like it's just that we're all one race, so to speak. That, that's a very common response that yeah. I get, and uh, you know, people often say the same phrase. They say, "But race is just a social construct," mm -hmm. and 
that's just not true. And I understand why we want it to be true because again, you know, I think race and science have this yeah. really ugly history and um, but we can't bury our heads in the sand. And you know, you, as I mentioned, you know, different races have suffer from different genetic mm -hmm. disorders. Uh, they respond to medications differently. The mm -hmm. FDA has actually approved a heart medication that's specifically for African Americans. Oh, okay, yeah. And you know, uh, we we can you can swab your cheek and send it to Ancestry.com. I bet it. They'll yeah. tell you exactly what your racial mm -hmm. makeup is. I mean, that, that, those aren't social things. Those are biological yeah. things. And obviously there's huge social elements to race yeah. too. I mean, I like to say that race isn't a social construct, but racism is. And so the way we respond to race is, is definitely social, but- That's true. But now my, my favorite rebuttal when people say race is just a social construct is, well, that's what Rachel Dolezal thought. You know, she was this woman who was the president yes. of the NAACP in Spokane, and then it turned out she was white. So yes. she, was, she was trying to change her race. You know, if something is, she socially constructed a black mm -hmm. identity for herself, but it, you know, people did not like that. So that, that yeah. I think that's, and I think that's a, a, an important thing to look at. You know, things that are social constructs like religion, you can change, you can convert. That's true. Yes. You can't change your race. And people, it turns out the internet will get really mad at you yes, if you try to, <laughs> as, as she learned. Yes, that's a whole other show too. But I wanted to mention to you, I want to mention out loud, the hybrid vigor. You talk about that in right. your book several times. So can you explain that for people? Sure. So hybrid vigor is a term that's been around for a long time, and that's something that is used in agriculture. So mm. farmers have known about this for generations. You take two different strains of corn or yep. two different breeds of livestock, and you mix them together, and the offspring are just, you know, fantastic. They grow fast. They are healthier. You know, all kinds of, they're, mm. they're more productive, more yep. fertile. And so, you know, the breeding between the lines theory is basically just hybrid vigor, but when you talk about it in terms of farm animals, nobody bats an eye. You start talking about it in terms of people and, and things yeah. get a little more sensitive. Because you mentioned, because it's, it's uh, the mule, it's a donkey and a horse, right? Right. And, you mentioned and that's that. actually the origin of the term mulatto, okay. yeah. but that's a misnomer because you know, mules are sterile, and so when when people coined the term mulatto, they were trying to say like, oh, these these mixed people are, you know, they're they're less than, yeah, 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 which is you know the exact opposite of the truth. But the the difference there is that horses and donkeys are two different species, yeah. you know, so they don't even have the same number of chromosomes. <laughs> so it's amazing that they can even yeah, produce so any weird. offspring. Yeah, but that's very different than you know two different races of the same species, which is what we're talking about. Did you find any particular combinations of races that were really good together? Yeah, that's that's a really common question, and mm. and I always say, well, it really depends on how the genes come together, and you never okay. know. But that's that's very unsatisfying, and so I don't want to ask me these things. So I'm like, I'm going to ask. Yeah, you. no, I, I want you to, I want yeah. to give you a good answer. So yes. you know, uh, the human race originated in Africa, yes. and then it was a relatively small subset that that migrated out of Africa and populated the rest of the world. So Africa is still our greatest store, storehouse of genetic diversity. Yeah. So I would say any combination of African and non-African is probably where you're gonna see the strongest okay. effects. Okay. That makes sense, actually. I, know, I So you are supporting the idea that we did come from Africa, everybody came from oh, Africa. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I think in terms of population genesis, Pretty much everybody's on board with that. I think so too. And I, I did the swab, and it was well, when I when I did it, it was like um, about eight nine years ago. When it first came out, and it was through National Geographic, ninety nine dollars, and it was like just your mother's side though. Oh, okay. The, oh, the, 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 they do the mitochondrial yeah, DNA. So yeah. So it's just it was just the maternal side. I want to do my father's side. I want to do that side. Yeah. Well, now you can do that with Ancestry.com. Yeah. They, uh, do, they do both sides. Yeah. Because my mother's side is very interesting, and we did originate all were there the way any, over. Were there any surprises or no? 
So it was it was what you thought. It was kind of what we thought. Yeah. And I switched my mom. I'm like, oh, okay. And we originated from the Congo. Oh, okay. All the way down there. So my father's side is what I really curious about. That's the one that's more mixed up. And I'm really curious to see where it would lead going backwards. Right, right. Yeah, where, where we come from. Some, so. some people are very surprised by the results. Because I'm like, I, that's what I want to be. I kind of want to be surprised. Although I feel like a lot of my friends are disappointed when they're not surprised. <laughs> they're like, oh, I'm just what I thought I was. You know, like, I spent a hundred bucks to find out what I already knew. But you know, I, I think it's interesting. And I found it interesting. I found it fascinating the way they did it and the way they mapped it out for you and explained it to you. I thought, oh, okay, this is really, this is really cool. But I was like, no, basically the, the marker is kind of it went the way I kind of we all kind of right. thought it would. But my right. father's side is the one I'm really gonna maybe after talking to him, maybe I'm gonna do it. All right, you got me. You got me inspired. Um, now, you know when this when this when this book came out originally. This is the second edition, right, right folks? It came out about ten years ago. It was the mm-hmm. second edition. Um, when the first edition came out, do you remember what the initial response was? Uh, you know, it was, it was very mixed. No pun intended. <laughs> um, I mean, the the first really my my first experience was was with the the white supremacists where they were yeah. you know just rabid and yeah. and unhappy but you know I try not to focus on that but yeah. you know I I get a lot of emails from people who are you know either they're mixed or they're the parents of a mixed child mm-hmm. and it, it's really nice because they're you know like we were talking about earlier a lot of times the focus is on the negatives you know yeah. and so they're they're saying oh your book made me feel proud of my heritage mm-hmm. for the first time or I'm proud of my baby and mm-hmm. you know I, I always thought my baby was great and now I have <laughs> evidence for it. And so, and you know, I've gotten emails from all over the world, you know, from Australia and China oh, wow. and, and Europe. And it's very satisfying, the idea that, that you know, that this has made people feel good about themselves, especially in an area where maybe before they felt bad. Yeah, because I mean, you just, you just, you're taught, I mean, just, I guess, it just, society just brings it always so down, like, oh my God, they're mixed and it's not good to be mixed. And, or you gotta be super, super, super pretty, or you gotta be this kind of mixed person. And we right. realize there are different kinds of, you know, mixed people out there, not just black and white either. I mean, it's all, absolutely, yeah. There are different kinds. And, you know, whole good hair thing and all that kind of stuff that goes out there. The sure. kid on this, I love the kid's hair on this book cover. I love his hair. And I wish I had hair like that. It's really nice. Um, so, but it's, it's a whole thing out there. And your book really does say, no, this is good. This is it's good to be mixed, and it's good to have absolutely. And and one of the reasons I wanted to feature a, a kid on the cover this time. The first edition had a really beautiful multiracial woman on the cover, and uh, that was great. Maybe the most common question I got uh, from the first edition was, "Who is that woman on the cover, and how can I meet her?" Yes. <laughs> so I was like, "Well, maybe that was a little distracting." But but also, you know, the the focus on the second edition is really about you know what's happening now and how. We're seeing this explosion in our mixed yeah. race population in America, and so I really wanted to put a kid on the cover because that's that's where it's happening. You know, like I said, you know, one in ten kids born today is mixed. Yeah. In 1970, it was one in a hundred, so that's yeah, that's a yeah. tenfold increase in only right. like 40 odd years. So you know, this is really a, an explosion, and you know, the, the, these these kids are the future. And uh, you know, I even I even had the graphic designer flip the. The image so that the kid was facing to the right because I wanted him to be kind of looking to the future. Oh, you look to the left, you're like going backwards. Exactly. That's so exactly. I, but yeah, I, we know, thought I, of So I, I wanted him to look looking forward because, you know, he he is the future. You know, yeah, and it's, and it's funny because I have family members look just like this, obviously. Um, my family's very mixed up and. I love this. I always love that hair, um, and uh, it's just it's just really funny that you can that you have science and health and statistics from science and health that actually are supporting what I like to think anyway that you know we're that we're that we're fine. That yeah, we're good. and and you know what I say in the book is also you know th- this is the future. It, 
Kind of the now. Yeah, it's 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 kind of the now. You know, like I said, this explosion is happening. Um, But whether you agree with my theory or not, whether you think it's a good thing or not, that's kind of irrelevant. Like this is happening, Mm -hmm. and you know this this is going to change the face of America, and so we we just need to be prepared for that. And I think we need to be prepared to talk about it. You know, I think I think the problem is, and you talked about it just a little bit, is that the folks who aren't mixed race or don't have anything to do just just very homogenized and live they probably feel like they're threatened a little bit maybe uh, you know absolutely and i think that uh, you know i don't want to get into politics too much yeah. but you know th- there is there is certainly an element uh, a political element that's trying to use that and mm-hmm. uh, you know there are some people who want to build walls uh, when yes. i think that's the exact opposite of what we need you know uh, so yes. instead of instead of separating people you know I, I think it's all about bringing people together and and that's what the book's about um was the reaction any different the second time around, the second printing, or is it basically about the same kind of reactions oh, out there? I think it's the same. I have not uh, the ten year difference. It's, it's still it's still early. You know, the book is just coming okay. out next mm-hmm. week. Yeah. Um. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I, uh, you know, it, it's weird because ten years is a long time and it's also yeah. a short time. But yeah. I mean, the world feels very different right now. Yeah. When when the book first came out, you know, Obama was just a senator. Yeah. And so and he he wasn't that famous outside of of Illinois Chicago, yet. Yeah, and yeah. so. Uh, and so I think, you know, him being president has definitely, you know, brought this to the forefront. And, and like you said, I think a lot more people just, just know someone interracial. They are interracial. They have interracial mm-hmm. family members. Mm-hmm. And so uh, public attitudes are, are changing really quickly. What have you taken away from all this research that has really just kind of fed you in some form, just in your personal life, just your personal life? Like, what have you taken away from when you're doing all this? Uh, to me, just, I don't know. I, I, I try to focus on the positive. And so to me, just this idea of diversity, and I think, again, growing up in LA, I think I was a little bit spoiled. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to me, diversity on every level is something that, that we should celebrate and that, uh, you know, I, I mentioned these divisive politics. You know, yes. I, I just think that that's, that's the exact opposite of what we need to be doing. And, and the more integrated and diverse we are as a society, I think the better off we're going to be. Now, we, like you said, we live, on, we live on one of the coasts, so obviously right. it's a little easier. I mean, how do we work the Midwest or the South? It's, mean, it's true. They're they're a little bit behind, but but they're coming up too. I actually have some some numbers. So oh, in, yes, in terms of uh, in terms of interracial marriage, yes. So fifteen point one percent of new marriages right now are mixed. So that's okay. That's pretty good. That's nice. And that's okay. nationwide. Okay. Like I said, in the West, we're ahead of the game. We're at twenty two percent. Makes sense. So that's that's more than one in five new marriages are are mixed yeah. here in, in the West. And in some Western states, it's actually more than one in four. Wow. Um. So, like you said, the South, the Midwest, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're a little bit lower. But even the Midwest, which is actually the region with the least interracial marriage right now, they're still at 11%. So, that's still more okay, than one in 10. Right, so, okay. they're, they're yeah. doing okay. I mean, yeah. that's half of, of what we're doing. Yeah. But, you know, it's a lot more than, than in Plus, the past. Po- Plus, they're less populated in some parts of it. And Sure. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, you grew up in a, in a state that with a really homogenous population. You just, you don't, even if you wanted to yeah. marry someone of a different race, you don't have that opportunity. No, that's true. And, uh, you know, I think... When I first started doing the research, I thought there was going to be this big divide between North and South. That mm. you know, the South was going to be, you know, was going to be really segregated, and there wasn't going to be a lot of mixing, and the North was going to be much more liberal. But it wasn't like that at all. It really was between East and West. And mm. I think part of the problem is that in the North, even if people have more liberal attitudes, it can still just be a very homogeneous white mm-hmm. environment. You know, if you look at the population demographics for like you know New Hampshire, Vermont, I would Maine, say Maine. You yeah. know, I mean, these are really white states, yeah. and so there's, there's not a lot of opportunity for for mixing there but you know you go you go to the west and uh you know california new mexico arizona 
Arizona. Mm-hmm. There's just there's just a, really yeah, a lot is. of mixing going on. And it's funny because also like in parts of Texas, I mean, like parts of Texas that are way like El Paso, which is basically Mexico. Like it's like it's right absolutely there. yeah. And it's interesting to look at you know in different areas the the you know who is mixing is different. Mm-hmm. And Oklahoma actually has a really high. Uh, mixed population, but it's mixed uh, white and Native American because they have a big Native American yeah, population. Yeah, that makes sense. That's so, makes sense. Yeah, you know, and then you look at Hawaii; it's a lot of like white Asian. Yes. And so yeah, and and in California, there's the everything, but but definitely a lot of Hispanic white. Go to California; it's a lot of a lot of um, Asian whites. Oh Silicon yeah, Silicon Valley. I could see that a lot of because you know a lot of times also if you work together, that's how you meet. A partner, sure, sure. and there's a lot. I've noticed that there's a lot of Asian white relationships up in San Francisco and San Jose and in Los Altos, all the whole area up there. Mm-hmm. Great, because they're they're all working together anyway. So I guess that's kind of how you meet. Absolutely, where you meet, and but you make a good point. If you live somewhere where it's just homogenized, you just you can't really help yeah. it. Yeah, but I mean, I think you know, as as America shifts from you know primarily rural to primarily urban. I mean, we're already much more urban. Yeah. Than, than rural, you know, just you move to a big city, all of a sudden there's there's a lot more opportunities. Well, so what so what has done what has this book this book done for you since? I mean, you've written this book, you're now freelancing out there these days. What are you working on these days? Uh, well, I'm really interested in uh, in science, as you yeah. know, and science education. So I'm actually like working on startups now that okay. you know to try and kind of help people study science and and learn about science. And again, you know, just understand that science is because I, I think people fall into this trap where they think. They have they have a bad science teacher early on, and they think I'm <laughs> yes. not a science person, right. you know, and that just shuts it down. They're like, yes. I'm not a science person; it's over. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone is a science person because everyone we all have to abide by the rules of science. You know, mm-hmm. you can't say, well, gravity doesn't apply to me because I'm not a science person. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think you know the more we can present science in an accessible and you know relevant way, show people how relevant it is to their daily lives. I think just the more informed everyone is going to be, and, and the better off we'll all be. One of the things you about this book, it just it just kind of made me chuckle, but it was kind of fun. You talk about mating habits, I'm like snow geese to like oh, you know yeah. to like the, to us. I mean, you talk about that the sex of things, right? Yeah, like and the snow around. geese is is one of my favorite examples. So yeah. these are these big geese. Yeah. They live in Canada. They migrate south to the United States in the winter, and. They come in two colors, blue and white, and beautiful. The, yeah, they are. And the, but the blue geese mate with other blue geese, and the white <laughs> geese mate with other white geese, and so they're you know they're pretty segregated. But uh, the, they've done some great studies where they do like a little game of switched at birth, where they 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 have a blue gosling that's raised by by a white flock, and that gosling wants to mate with white. Uh, I with, love with, that story. With white I geese. love that story. Yeah, and then but the best part is the the geese that are raised in a mixed flock have no preference. You know, and so, and so that that's what's happening to us. You know, we're we're growing up in mixed flocks now in these mm-hmm. in these big cities, especially in the West, that are really yeah. integrated, and uh, you know we have no preference, and and so people are a lot more open. You know, the girl next door might look a lot different than you, and you yeah. might still you know be very attracted to her, and and it can all work out in a way that is is kind of unprecedented in American history. Yeah, I, but that's no good story. I love the story. I didn't think it's so I'm like, wow, it's very, also it's very informative. Like, really? They just, I mean, even in animal, yeah, they but went I, right to... But it makes to... sense. You know, you, 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 you grow up and you're learning about the world and what you see when you're really young mm-hmm. kind of influences, you know, you're, you're building the, the kind of the mental models of how everything should work and you see a bunch of people that look the same. You're like, oh, okay, that's... 
that's who I should but be attracted to. But it's so funny to. because I mean, like I said, I grew up. I grew up in Los Angeles, South, South Central Los Angeles, and it's funny because when I was coming up, you know, I mean, I what there was an influx of Latinos that came in, and I grew up with some you know white folks, and and of course Koreans and Chinese, and I was attracted to everybody. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's because my family was mixed up. I mean, I had Chinese godparents, and, and I, my but yeah, if you, if you grew up around that, then then that makes I never sense. But you grew up in a mixed flock, so I did. you were so you I never, were... I never had, a, I never, I could be, I could be with a black girl or a girl looks just like me. You right, know, right. there were times I was attracted to that too. Sure, but I never, I never really thought I never, until I read your book. I never really thought that before. Like just kind of like, especially my attractions. Right, like, what does that mean? And it got me. That's why I said this book actually, you know, adds to the multiracial, multicultural conversation. Yeah, and, and that's what I was hoping. But, uh, you know, it, it's interesting because some people like you, you know, have a, have a really broad, I think, blueprint of, of what their make can look like and are really equal opportunity. But we all know those people who have like a really specific yes. type and it's like everyone they date looks, oh, you know, yes. kind of fits in the same mold. Yes. And so, you know, I just, I find that so interesting how, you know, these, these combinations of our genes and our environment can can influence these fundamental decisions in our lives. It seems like this, this was a fascinating book to do. Was that? It was. But hard yeah. work too, I'm sure. Yeah, there's a lot of research. <laughs> yeah. Um, but and you're a researcher, so obviously. Yeah, and and it was just it was really fun, you know, because you know I would I would think okay I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to explain this concept that's mm-hmm. like a really important concept in biology. And every biologist already knows this, but what's the layman? The layman doesn't know this. How can I explain it? And what's like a fun, fun mm-hmm. example, you know, so that they, people's eyes won't gloss over while they're reading it. So, <laughs> so it was a lot of research, but it was very satisfying. And I was like, oh, this study is really cool because it involves, you know, sniffing T-shirts or know you know that, something, that, yeah. something random like that. And I was like, okay, this is this is the one. And so I, I knew that that was that was the way I was going to present that idea. Are there really zonkeys out there? I wanted to ask you that. They're super rare. I'm like, so I love to see. One. Yeah, so the donkey, like like the mule, is yes. a, is a hybrid between two species, between a zebra and a donkey. <laughs> and I think that, you know sometimes it happens in zoos, okay. you know, where these okay. animals who wouldn't normally mate, there's not a lot of opportunities, they're and they're like, in hey. close quarters. Yeah. yeah, so there's donkeys, there's the zorse, yeah, so I've heard that too. I've never seen, I've never seen yeah. that either. Yeah. They, and I've seen, you can see find pictures online. Okay, online. You know, it looks like a donkey, but with stripes. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. There, there's some really uh, strange in the. But are they? uh Oh, is she looking one up? Oh my god, she's looking one up. That's so funny. That's a that's a donkey. Oh, you can wow. see the stripes on the legs. Yeah, you can. What a trip! So it kind of has a donkey face. Head. Yeah, yeah. But again, I think it, it it can also change depending on uh, which is the mother and which is okay. the father. Okay. And I don't remember with the mule. It's just like it, it has to be like a horse mother and a donkey father. <laughs> and if it's a if it's the reversed, it has a different name. It's called a hinny. Oh, there you do that. That's totally different. Oh yeah, yeah look so, at oh, it. Oh yeah, so you can see the stripes. Wow, that's amazing. I've never seen it. Look at fur in the back and everything. Yeah. But it has like it has like a donkey. But head. you can see the donkey and you can see the zebra. Influence. You can completely. Thanks, Marissa. That's crazy. That is like a zorse. Find a zorse. I want to see one of those. Because I mean, I know that I know that. Um, I've always been taught that actually, when you start mixing some of these animals, it's not a good idea. Yeah, and and I think that's true, especially when you're talking about two different species. Yeah. You never know what's going to happen. Are the offspring going to be viable? Or are they going to have problems? Yeah. And so I, I think it's a little bit sort of a mad Tricky scientist thing. kind of thing. Yeah. I think in general, it's good advice to 
stick within your species <laughs> for that. Yes. I mean, not you know. I mean, we're we're all one species as a human species. Exactly. So yeah, so stick yeah. with your yeah, just stick with your species. But I I, I I always found that fascinating. Anyway, I mean, when, so when you were saying, I'm like a source. Like, what's that? Like, myself, zonky. Yeah. I was like zonky. Well, there's the the liger. Oh yeah, liger, lion, yes, tiger yes. hybrid. Yeah, there's there's some there's some strange. But, are, but are lions and tigers are they different species? Or is they it, are different species. They are different yeah, species. they're both big cats, but yeah. they're they're different species. God, so this, this is this is fascinating. This book was great. I mean, I you know, I, like I said, I got it got me a lot of attention when I said I was doing this, and I yes. said, you guys don't do it. I'm going to do it. Definitely, an people's, people's ears perk up. They do perk up, and I just think I think everybody should just you know, if, you're, if this something that's interest you, you should just read it for yourself. Like I said, it's an easy read, and I mean that in a great way. It's an easy to read book. It's less than two hundred pages. Yes. Yeah. And it, and some some of the stories are kind of funny, and some of the things he talks about. Are, you, have, you have humor in here, also. Yeah, I try to keep it keep it interesting. Yeah, keep it interesting. Light. You do, and you do, and I just think people should read it, and then come to your own conclusions if you want to, and feel how you want about it. But I think, oh, like just like like the show Blackish, which I love. I think you should overlook the title and mm-hmm. really get in there and just and just start and dig in. Yeah, so it's a great read. I, I agree. And if you go to breedingbetweenthelines.com, there's an excerpt so you can check it out. Very and good. Uh, my email address is on there. You can email me, Facebook page, all that stuff. So I'll talk to you. Absolutely. Now, um, the books, you said the second edition is coming out when? It comes out next week. Okay. So, but it's uh, it's already on Amazon. You, yeah. can, you can get it and yeah. it's, it's out there. That's the first edition, or is the second? Is the first one on Amazon or the second one? The uh, one first one sh- is supposed to be going out of print, so okay. people just buy the second. Okay. One. Yeah. But this is, you know, look look for this cover. Yeah, you, you see this cover. cover that's see? the right one. That's the one. Well, thank you a lot for being on here. My pleasure. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was great. It was totally great. You write another book on something like this, you come back on, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk do. about it. We'll tell we'll you talk do. about it. So you said you could find him on Facebook. You can find ReadingBetweenTheLines.com, Alon mm-hmm. Zivis' name. He's not on Twitter or anything like that. We're just we're just talking about that. But you may hashtag him. His stuff will come up, but he's right. not on Twitter. So if you see anybody, it's, like, it's not for real. But Facebook.com slash ReadingBetweenTheLines. So yes. I am on Facebook. And he'll talk to you. Like I said, he'll talk to you, and he'll we'll do you more. Absolutely. I love hearing from people who've read the book or are interested in the book. Perfect. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. So that that was Bookstuck Online for you today, and my name is James Law Jr., of course, and you can go to YouTube and iTunes and find us, Bookstuck Online. Uh, you can look for all, we have lots of interviews with other authors. I have a few interviews on there, too, of course, and you can comment, rate us, tell us what you think. Talk about this continued discussion. And you can follow me at James Law Jr. on all social media. You can also continue the discussion there, too, with me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, wherever, and we'll continue this. But thank you so much, and keep reading. From managing editor Jason Squamata, executive producers Maria Menounos, Phil Svitek, and Kevin Undergaro, we would like to thank you for tuning in to Book Circle Online. For more discussion, go to bookcircleonline.com. And if you have comments, questions, or book title suggestions, write us at info at bookcircleonline.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this is Book Circle Online. BCO, join the circle.